Listener supported. WNYC Studios. People in this city are starving for housing. Middle, low, and extremely low income housing. I live in Echo Park and I'm always worried about my landlord kicking me out because he could get so much more rent. As a matter of fact, I walked into the Starbucks and I told the guy, I said, where you're standing right now was my patio. We don't need like three, four coffee shops on one street. You know, I go in and there's like vintage shops and there's like new bars on the street. I love this city. I want to see the makeup of this city remain what it is, you know. I don't want to be moved along just because I'm a different class of person. I was one of the first people in my community to own a house, and it was initially something that I was somewhat embarrassed about. I feel like we could represent that invader, that gentrifying couple. Have you seen your property value go up? I just did a refi. Oh yeah, it jumped up a lot. <laughs> Significantly, yes. The Hispanic community is decimated here. They can't even rent here. Where are they renting? Where are they going? There goes the neighborhood. There goes the neighborhood. There goes the neighborhood. I'm sitting in a backyard in Los Angeles's Echo Park neighborhood, talking to a guy who knows a lot about how L.A. became what it is today. We have to remember that L.A. is an exceedingly improbable phenomenon. This is a place that has no natural advantages at all. It has no timber, it has no coal, it has no iron, it has no natural harbor, it has basically no water for eight months of the year. Essentially, there's no reason for a city to exist in in coastal Southern California whatsoever. That's historian Wade Graham. He takes the long view of L.A. development, reviewing more than 100 years of L.A. real estate booms. How were they successful? They figured out what they could do. And what they had a lot of was an unusual climate and a lot of flat, cheap land. So what's the basis of your development going to be? It's not going to be steel mills. It's going to be real estate. So you need to attract people and get them to buy land. And in order to do that, you have to plant some sort of a dream in their head, which doesn't have to do with finding a job in a steel mill. So real estate and the marketing of that real estate is really at the core of Los Angeles and always has been. It's the foundational... Uh, structure of Southern California is real estate. It's the selling of land to people who you've convinced that, uh, that they need it, that they need it in this particular place and they're willing to travel a long distance and pay a lot of money in order to inhabit that. And boy, did it work. I'm Saul Gonzalez, and this is There Goes the Neighborhood L.A. This is a series about Los Angeles and how it's changing, and it's really changing. Development money from across the country and around the world is gushing into this city. And there's a big push to make L.A. taller and denser and more urban, where we travel by subway instead of the freeway. All right, guys. We're ready. Clear. And because Los Angeles is so big, a good place to begin understanding the sheer scale of what's happening here is to go up. And I mean way up. Looking down from a helicopter, L.A.'s urban sprawl is both impressive and a little scary. There's just so much of it. Ten million people in Los Angeles County spread over an area twice the size of Delaware. 
So you can see the downtown skyline in front of us. That's probably a good 10 miles away for us right now. So the visibility is okay. Our pilot so is Dave Child. He owns a helicopter charter company and has been flying over Los Angeles for nearly 20 years. From up here, Dave has seen a lot of L.A. life. Freeway chases, wildfires, and what's happening in the backyards of the rich and famous. So along the Hollywood Hills here, guys, we have Johnny Depp, who lives right down here off of Sunset Boulevard. We have Leonardo DiCaprio that lives up here in the hills. In recent years, Dave's also seen all the new development below. One hot spot is downtown. There's more development happening there than any time since the 1920s. You know, you have a lot more apartment units being built. You have a lot of the old historical uh, manufacturing buildings that are being converted to lofts now. And so you have this sort of influx of people into the downtown area where once it used to be a ghost town after five o'clock, now is actually a thriving community. And as we keep flying, we see signs of more change in the city. New homes packed onto small lots in Echo Park and Silver Lake. Commercial and residential mega developments on Sunset and in Koreatown. And Dave can talk about what's fueling all this because he's also a real estate agent. Well, the market is hot. It's, uh, it is climbing year after year. For about five years now, we've been in a constant price increase in the market. And there doesn't really appear to be a slowdown in the short future here. The inventory seems to be kind of low at this moment. And now we're just in basic economics, supply and demand. You know, a lot of people want to live in Los Angeles. So the demand is high and the supply is low and the prices keep going up. Econ 101, right? Yep. Basic supply and demand, coupled with a little bit of uh, emotion in here, and that drives the prices up. Dave's right. Even though you see cranes and new construction all over the place, it's not enough. From 2010 to 2015, L.A. added more than 230,000 people, but only 40,000 new homes. So Dave's advice? If you've got the dough, you'd be crazy not to invest in L.A. real estate right now. You can make a killing. Now, for some people, the changes happening in L.A. are great, with cool new places to live, work, and play. But for others... Man, the cost of living here is way ridiculously high. You know, we're actually living paycheck to paycheck. Mario says he works in special ed. But I meet him selling trinkets on the corner of Hollywood and Highland. Hat, shirt, selfie stick, souvenirs, pizza. You know, all these things moving in, new buildings, new apartments, two jobs. You got to have two jobs just to stay living in L.A. So that's barely keeping us above water, paycheck to paycheck, because of the rent, especially because of the rent. Because L.A. is just too expensive these days, and... um. We're not, even, we're not even middle class no more. We're in lower class already. There's no such thing as middle class. It's lower class and upper class. That's about it. I hear this story all over L.A., from Venice to Boyle Heights to the Valley, and in this neighborhood, Hollywood. It's a place where different ideas of what L.A. should or could be are colliding. I'm joined by my colleague, Anna Scott, who's been covering L.A.'s housing crisis for KCRW. Hey, Anna. Hey. So, yes, Hollywood, which you just mentioned, is crazy right now with a ton of new construction, hotels, apartments, and stores. On the Walk of Fame, you've got the same old tourist traps, people dressed as superheroes taking photos for tips. Hello, guys. I'm Superman from Hollywood Boulevard. All around, you see fenced-off construction sites, cranes, and concrete mixers idling in the street. To some people, this is exactly what you should be seeing in Hollywood. For decades, city officials have targeted this area for dense new development, like our mayor, Eric Garcetti, back when he represented Hollywood on L.A.'s city council. 
But there are still parts of Hollywood untouched by mega developments. You'll see small bungalows, low-rise apartment buildings, family businesses. Like this pocket around Sunset Boulevard. Here, you can find one of LA's quirky historic monuments, an 80-year-old outdoor shopping mall called the Crossroads of the World. That globe has been spinning since 1936. It's easy to miss, but you can recognize it by a spinning globe mounted 60 feet in the air. And at great expense and time, I have to tell you, because it's very complex machinery that's not made very much anymore, and we've had to (laughs) go through a lot to keep it going. Linda Dutenhaver's family has owned Crossroads of the World for nearly 40 years. Her father, Mort Lacretz, is a huge L.A. real estate developer. When he bought it, it was foreclosure, basically. So he paid very little for it, and you know what's happening around here, us in Hollywood. So it's definitely appreciated a lot. Over the years, Mort turned the shopping center into commercial space and offices. He also bought up some apartment buildings nearby. Now, Linda's family has made a deal with a developer to build a huge complex here. Skyscrapers, a promenade, a hotel, and nearly a thousand upscale housing units. It's called Crossroads Hollywood. But to make room for the new, the old apartment buildings have to go. That's bad news for the people living in them. 84 rent-controlled households. They're just three boxy, beige and white structures lined up side by side. But this is the Hollywood people like Darren Wilstead call home. So what are we looking at now? There's a lovely courtyard. I've always wanted to put a swimming pool in here, but they prefer grass. And, it's uh, a two-story place with bulky window air conditioners going strong on this hot afternoon. And then there's this one tree right here. I forget the name of that tree, but they have the beautiful flowers that come out twice a year. Could I see your place? Sure, come on. Darren rents a one-bedroom upstairs. So yeah, we have the living room. The one thing that I've hated about this since day one is the Berber carpet. But um, I've just made do by putting rugs in and painting everything else. He works for a nonprofit that gives scholarships to LGBTQ students. Um, I'm not high income. I'm not low income. I'm just mid-range. I'm the last of the middle class here in L.A. Darren pays about $1,000 a month, and it's rent controlled. For him, this is a great deal. Most renters in L.A., almost 60 percent, spend more than a third of their income on rent. Darren pays less. For a one-bedroom apartment, it's pretty decent sized. Yeah, and for what you pay, it's really big. I searched Craigslist to find other one-bedroom apartments that Darren could live in for $1,000 a month. After you sort through all the scammy-looking posts or rooms for rent, there's not much. Average rent in L.A. is already over $2,500 a month. He could get a 200-square-foot unit about five miles east in Westlake. That's about the size of a one-car garage. He'd have to put most of his belongings in storage. Or he could get a real one-bedroom, one-bath 30 miles south in Long Beach. That would mean an hour and a half commute to work in traffic. So Darren is fighting to stay where he is. He recently got flyers posted to his door. Invitations to meet with a relocation specialist. The flyers are very polite in nature, um, inviting us to an ice cream social in the courtyard. Um, I think at one point they even had music, but um, they kind of look fake. It's a, it's a sweeter and gentler eviction. It's really hard to evict rent control tenants in L.A., So lots of landlords offer cash to persuade tenants to move out voluntarily. So far, about a dozen of Darren's neighbors have taken buyouts and left. Darren doesn't want to go. This might not be the prettiest place. But it's central, it's affordable, and I've saved lots of money. When I heard that they're putting in new apartments, I thought, you know, that's exciting. I'll I'll look for a new place to live. And that's when I kind of saw the sticker shock. Some of the newer apartments here in Hollywood... They're averaging $3,000 a month, $5,000 a month. Um, It's impossible to be able to afford something like that. 
And some of Darren's neighbors can barely afford to live here as it is, like Aura Valenzuela. <laughs> That's my uh, daughter, Zoe. And she's four months? Correct. Aura, Zoe, and Aura's mother live in a one-bedroom on the same floor as Darren, but theirs feels smaller. There's a bed in the living room and stacked-up baby gear. So my family has actually lived in the complex for over 27 years. I'm 27 years old, and so I was born and raised here. In this building? Yes. (laughs) It's almost like a Melrose place. (laughs) You know, everyone knows each other. Everyone looks after one another. My uncle actually lives downstairs, which is where we had originally lived, and then we move upstairs here. Since Aura had Zoe, they all live on the money her mom makes as a hospital housekeeper. What do you guys pay in rent for this? I believe the rent is nine seventy-five. What's like if you move to another apartment? What's like the maximum you would want to pay for rent? We wouldn't want to pay more than a thousand three hundred with bills included, and that's difficult. She's almost certainly not going to find that in Hollywood anymore. And you know, this is happening to people in many places in L.A. Old apartments and houses are being torn down to make way for what's marketed as luxury housing. More than 22,000 rent-controlled apartments have been taken off the market in just the past 15 years. Up next, you'll meet one of the people creating the new Hollywood. We're talking about the Crossroads Project in Hollywood. The developer behind it is Dave Schwartzman. And I'm the president and CEO of Heritage Development Group. We meet Dave and his lawyer and his publicist in a gleaming conference room on the 32nd floor of LA's second tallest skyscraper. Dave's company is building projects from downtown to Englewood. And when Dave looks at where Darren and Aura live, he sees one of the last parcels of Hollywood still available for big new development. It's sort of like the land that time forgot as it sits today. Development has gone to the east, and development's gone to the west. It's sort of sunset and highland. Two great cross streets in Hollywood. It's been skipped over. So what we're trying to do is sort of bring the sizzle back to the middle and bring it back to crossroads. I like that, actually. That's a good one. He compares the area to Manhattan's meatpacking district. And I really view crossroads as a place where you can work, where you can shop, where you can live, where people can visit around the world. Now, the whole project is supposed to cost about $600 million, with most of that coming from private investors. Dave says he's confident money will flock to the project. This is not trailblazing. The Academy Awards are a block away from this. When you have a hotel across from where the red carpet is, that hotel in 2022 will be the most seen hotel in the world. Plus, Dave claims the project will create 5,000 jobs between the hotel, the restaurants, and stores. As for the 84 rent-controlled apartments that will be destroyed, Dave says he'll replace them with 84 new affordable units set aside specifically for low-income people. The tenants who live there now and qualify are supposed to be the first ones in. On current guesstimates, we think about half the people will qualify for low income, which leaves about 20 or 25 units that are issues. And we're working up on a plan to relocate those people within Hollywood into rent-controlled kind of product. Here's the thing. Darren wouldn't qualify to live in one of the affordable apartments. He makes too much money to stay, but not enough to come back and rent at Crossroads Hollywood. 
if you ended up getting evicted at the end of the day, do you know where you would go or where you would look for a new place to live? Koreatown, I, I speak Korean. I used to live in Korea, so I could easily move over there. That means very expensive. So it sounds like Darren might be okay. But for Aura, it's a little less certain. She might qualify to come back to the new Crossroads Hollywood, but she says she'll probably be priced out of L.A. before that ever gets built. We actually don't know where we would go. Maybe going towards West Covina, Chino, and possibly in the future uh, moving out of California, Texas, Oklahoma, or Michigan. When these older rent-controlled apartments go away, something else disappears. A kind of diversity and the feeling that L.A.'s door is open to anyone. Your neighbor could be a nonprofit worker, a lawyer, an opera singer, or a single mom who lives with her mother in a one-bedroom apartment. Crossroads Hollywood would cost a lot more to live in than those rent-controlled apartments it's replacing. That's typical. And that's why many people think new development intensifies our housing crisis instead of solving it. They're asking, if there really is a housing shortage, why isn't all this new supply making rents cheaper? I don't disagree that we need to put roofs over people's heads. I don't think that building more luxury units is going to be the answer. I don't think that building is our way out of it. Susan Hunter rents in Hollywood and is one of the people opposed to the Crossroads Project. She works for the Coalition to Preserve LA, a group that fights a lot of new development. Susan argues real estate speculation is what's really driving up prices. And she says the housing shortage has been exaggerated by developers and elected officials. When I asked Susan whether she believes we even have a housing crisis, this is what she said. I don't know that we do. Some people might hear you say what you've said and say you are the housing equivalent of a climate change denier, you would say what? Well, I would say that, again, we have to look at all the information. I think what we're hearing is a one-sided solution that is based on pro-development, that if we keep building more and more luxury units, somehow it's going to solve our housing crisis. I don't think the answer to our climate problem is going to be more, more coal mines. I want to stop here for just a second. So Susan is right that there's a lot of building going on in L.A. and prices are still high. But that doesn't mean we don't have a housing shortage. Last year, L.A. permitted about 15,000 new units. Experts say we'd need hundreds of thousands to actually meet demand. What feels like a lot on the ground isn't actually enough. Susan says the new developments are making things worse because they're mostly market rate. And she says developers pretty much get to do whatever they want because they spend lots of money at City Hall, like the Heritage Group that's behind the Crossroads Hollywood project. Heritage is one of the largest donation givers to city uh, council members and to the mayor's office. So when we're looking at who's giving the money to who and we're looking at the policies that are being created, clearly there's a link between the two. Heritage has contributed a couple of thousand dollars to recent political campaigns, including the mayor's. But election laws put caps on those contributions. So the real money is spent on lobbying. According to filings with the city, the LLC established by Heritage to build Crossroads spent $285,000 on lobbying services during just one three-month period last year. The lobbied, according to those records, include the mayor's office, the city council, the building and safety department, and the L.A. Department of Water and Power. 
They're all stakeholders that will have to sign off on the project. Now, Dave Schwartzman is well aware that neighborhood activists like Susan often resent people like him. These damn developers that everybody doesn't like are creating housing, are creating jobs. They're improving life. Housing prices are escalating. Rents are escalating. It's not because of there's not enough affordable housing. There's not enough housing, period. And because I know I ready for the gentrification question. Hollywood is gentrified, okay? Hollywood is being gentrified for the last 20 years. It's already gentrified. Related to the big, bad, evil developer question is, the cousin of that question is, you and people like you have City Hall wrapped around your pinky and your lawyer over here immediately to your left, you're with a law firm, you're big lobbyists, you're I think the biggest according to the ethics commissioners last year. So why is it crazy for people to think that you have more clout than you should have when it comes to getting your projects through? Well, first of all, if I had all this clout, I wouldn't need all these lobbyists to do my lobbying for me. <laughs> Let's be honest. Do I have any more clout than a citizen? No, because when you have the neighborhood council and you have that all system, people have a voice. I think there's a very negative connotation to the word developer. I mean, at least the way I look at it, I'm trying to create jobs. We're changing lifestyles. We're upgrading an area. And that's the thing. I think we're making the country better. And what Dave just said, that's basically what generations of L.A. developers have argued as they turned Los Angeles from a little town to a modern megalopolis. And maybe the city is being upgraded, but at what cost to longtime residents? Now, just about a five-minute walk away from the proposed Crossroads project, Cesar Vega rents a Spanish-style cottage. It's surrounded on three sides by a towering 500-unit apartment complex that's already in construction. So, uh, we're outside your backyard. Tell me what we both see. All right, you're looking at tons and tons of cranes uh, flying over your head and our, our tiny little palm trees that used to hover over the, the block and now they're dwarfed by these ugly monsters. Caesar has a small video production company. He's lived his entire life in L.A., but now pretty much feels like a stranger in his own city. I don't see myself in a lot of the things that are happening. I'm not in victim mode, but I'm not part of that circle. And I feel like, in a way, I'm a holdout. A lot of the people that I know left. And there's uh, construction after construction being built for who knows who the people are. And the way that the city approaches it can be looked at like it's an improvement. It's uh, a benefit to everybody. The rising tide lifts all boats. But I'm not sure that people in small boats (laughs) wrote that, you know? And lots of Angelinos are feeling that way. And they're asking themselves these questions. Is there still a place for me in L.A.? And can I live a decent life here? L.A.'s Mayor Eric Garcetti says he hears worries like that pretty much all the time. And he totally gets the anxieties behind them. Will my children and my children's children be able to stay here? Will they be able to financially, with a decent school decent way of getting housing, decent job, decent commute, be able to stay the way that we and our parents and grandparents were attracted to come here because that's what this place represented. 
These are big questions, and the answers aren't easy. The mayor, though, has some ideas. A fee on developers to pay for more affordable housing, cutting red tape to build more homes, and more development near public transit to cut down on traffic. Garcetti also wants to spend upwards of $170 million to fight homelessness. That is, L.A.'s homeless population has increased 20% over the past year to 34,000 people. But beyond programs and dollars, Garcetti says as long as people want to live in Los Angeles, we have to make room for them. We can't go back to the L.A. I grew up in, as attractive as that would be. But we can build an L.A. that isn't just where we are passive about the future. We can actually create that future if we come together and say yes to things, what we want in our backyard, not just no. Really, the subtext of what you're saying is LA is changing, it has to change, and you better get on board with it. Well, cities change more than get on board with it. We, we all better shape it or else it will shape us. And that's what this series is all about, looking at the people and forces shaping Los Angeles in ways big and small. And change is really messy. It's all tied up with race, class, history, and a sense of belonging. This series will tackle all of that, like in the next episode. It's the story of a white landlord with lots of money at stake seeking to evict his immigrant tenants. And he said to me, you know, it's really plain. You've been here too long. It's time to leave. And these kind of things aren't just happening in Los Angeles. It's also in Seattle, Miami, Brooklyn, Philadelphia, and so many other places. Listeners, we really want to hear your experiences of change wherever you live. Go to kcrw.com slash there goes the neighborhood. Our web team has posted a lot more about what's happening in L.A. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts. So subscribe and tell your friends to subscribe and please leave a review. There Goes the Neighborhood's reporter is Anna Scott. Our producer is Miguel Contreras. Celeste Wesson is our editor. Sonia Geis is our managing editor. Our recording engineers are Ray Guarna and J.C. Swadek. At WNYC Studios, our producer is Paige Cowett. Our executive producer is Karen Frillman. And Casey Means is our technical director. Our composer is Hannes Brown, with additional music by Terrence Blanchard. I'm Saul Gonzalez. This series is supported by the Conrad and Hilton Foundation. Thanks for listening.